Hello and welcome to England Unmasked, the podcast dedicated exclusively to England that will help you through the Euros, which the Three Lions will hope to win on July the 11th under the Wembley Arch. I'm Dom Smith. And I'm Luke Edwards. And we're going to look back on the 1-0 win for England over Romania on Sunday. I caught up with Calvin Phillips just ahead of the Romania game to talk about his growth from becoming an England player to being in England's European Championship squad. When you were introduced into the England squad last autumn, was your thought immediately just maybe surprised and being pleased that you were an England player? Or, or did, did your mind turn straight to, you know, trying to make the squad for the European Championships, which you, which you knew were coming up? Um, I think it was just to take every training session every day as it comes, you know, try and do my best every day. And um, I think when it came to the games as well, just try and show what I can do, um, what difference I can make in certain areas. And, you know, I believe that I did that throughout the games. And, you know, obviously I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be involved in, you know, a major tournament like this. And, you know, obviously I'll keep trying my best throughout the tournament and, you know, for as long as I can. OK, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined now by John Murray, who's the uh, BBC's football correspondent. John, it's lovely to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here, Tom. Thanks for asking me. Was it a pleasure to be at England-Romania or was it a bit of a drab performance? Well, in actual fact, I, I have, um, I, I've taken quite a lot out of both matches just because because of the circumstances as much as anything else. And the fact that we saw two England teams that I doubt we'll ever see play again. Mm. Um, you, you know, and, and there was some, from a commentator's point of view, from, from both matches, during both matches, before and after both matches, mm. there were so many talking points that, um, you know, the, the action's always the most important thing. But in some ways it was incidental because of, I think for, for both lineups, they were nowhere near, nowhere near the team that we'll see starting against Croatia on Sunday. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so actually, I, fa- I found them both. I found them both quite interesting matches. I mean, I don't do know you think, what you. I don't know what you. Sorry, I was going to say then, John. Do you think we have to cut sort of the team and Garrisals get a bit of flack on it then? You know, because obviously, like you say, I mean, we we talked about it in the last pod. There'll probably only before start long, probably only four players from that Austria game that maybe start against Croatia and maybe a few more from the game on Sunday but it's such a, it was such a mixed team but that remaining game did frustrate me a little bit because there were bigger players in there and it was still a bit bitty wasn't it I don't think you had too many options really and in actual fact when I was doing the interviews on the touchline at the, at the stadium after the Romania game in behind the people I was talking to mm-hmm. that that little match was going on involving the uh, the players who, who didn't start against Romania. And in all honesty, I was sort of looking over the shoulder at whoever it was at the time, thinking, actually, there are more players out there now who will be starting on Sunday than there were in the actual match that we watched. But but I thought I thought because because of the, the circumstances, there were, I felt there was quite an intensity to the game because either either you had players on the field against Romania who were playing to try and get into the team or to try and actually get into the squad and be the 26th man. And um, and so that was like a subplot within the match. I mean, I, I thought one of the winners on the night was uh, was Ben White. I thought he, he pretty much was the only England centre-back that didn't put a foot wrong. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I've got Tyrone Mings as, as a bit of a loser last night, because I, I don't think he looked assured on the ball. And I think that slip in the first couple of minutes, you know, didn't, didn't necessarily signal the, the best of um, of confidence in him. 
But um, yeah, what, what did you make of White? Because I, I thought it's uh, pretty understandable that he became the 26th man, considering England have a lack of depth and, you know, and quality at centre-back. I thought it was pretty impressive. Well, he gave us a clue uh, after the match goes Southgate when he said, look, the decision is going to be positional. And bearing in mind, he'd lost one right back in Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm. And, and, and very obviously, Harry Maguire is not yet close to playing. I felt at the time, well, he's saying here that it's either White or Godfrey. Uh, so what we saw yesterday, in some ways, I think, was a little bit of a shootout between the two. Mm. Uh, and I think the greater clue was the fact that it was White who was playing in central defence and Godfrey at right back. And yet you're absolutely right. I don't think White, to my memory, did anything wrong at all. And mm. had actually done very well when he'd come on in, in the midfield position against Austria for the uh, for the latter part of the match there. So he probably had just the end. I think if you'd asked me before the matches, if it was going to be one of the two, I would have said Godfrey, mm. who would have been the 26th man. But clearly what Gareth Southgate has seen in the two matches and obviously in training this week, you know, has, has led him to, to lean towards Ben White. And it was a curious um, cameo from Jordan Henderson, wasn't it? Because I actually thought he was pretty impressive. He looked, you know, to have caught the, the pace of the game pretty well. He was spraying passes around at a much faster and more confident pace than um, than the other central midfielders. But, but of course, the missed penalty where, where he took it for himself and, and didn't let the striker have it. He's not got an, an England goal, Jordan Henderson, and he, and he has got a track record of having missed a penalty. What did you think about that decision and, in general, his display? Well, it was a funny one, wasn't it? Um, mm. In that, it, you know, when the penalty was awarded, I certainly wasn't expecting Jordan Henderson to be the guy that, uh, that ended up taking it. I think that... Uh, because we're all talking about it, because that's something that I know is in the in the headlines in the in the aftermath of the game um, that will will naturally be the talking point. But I, I like you felt as soon as he was on the field, as soon as he was on the field for England at the start of that second half, he, he was a focal point. Mm. You know, he 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 changed the. Uh, the to use that terrible word dynamic okay. as soon as he was on there. You know, he was he was clearly you know, a leader on the pitch and he ends up with a captain's armband. Very strange, though, the, the actual mm. taking of the penalty. And I thought that was quite telling what, what Gareth Southgate yeah. said afterwards. He said, I didn't expect what happened to happen. I wouldn't expect it to happen again. Yeah. Now, I think in public, that's as, that's as close as you get to a ticking off from from Gareth Southgate to his most senior man. So yeah, uh, Southgate's not normally like that. I, I thought that that was the most telling thing. He's not normally, but he's, he's not normally someone to call out players in public. But I mean, you've spoken to you've obviously had plenty of chats with him, John, and I think the players respect him, and he does seem the type of guy that it'd be like a disappointed father. You know, he wouldn't shout at you, but you know, he, like he's disappointed with you, and I think that's why the players have so much respect for him, don't they? Yeah, the classic. I'm not angry with you. I'm disappointed mm. with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone else who I thought was absolutely stellar last night was Jack Grealish. I mean, I think I think he's played seven times for England, and, and of those six have been starts. That was his fourth man of the match. I mean, mm. um, I mean, he, he was at his unpredictable best, wasn't he? Well, this is the great talking point of the week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Just, is he going to be in the starting lineup? And and the last five matches that he's been available for, because he missed the games in March when he was when he was injured. Yeah. So the last five England matches he's been available for, Gareth Southgate's put him in the team and he's mm. impressed. And, uh, you know, as you know, I, I sit regularly alongside Chris Waddle, who loves that sort of player. 
Yeah. But the first time that he played for England, Chris was completely won over by him and and said, you know, this is this this guy needs to be in the team. Mm. You know, I, and that's someone who played alongside Paul Gascoigne yeah. uh, and recognises what that sort of talent can do. However, how do you get him in? How do you get him in the system? How do you get him in the team? Mm. Um, you know, which is which is a great talking point this week. Absolutely. Would, uh, would you put him in, John? Would you to get him in the team? Would you put him on that left hand side just to get him in? Do you put him on the left hand side, or do you put him? where he's played the last two games as, as the number 10. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I would add to that is that, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Foden and Mount are definite starters. Mm. They, 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 you know, everything we've seen, what they've done this season with their clubs, the way that they've played, club and country, they, they demand a place in the team. So if Grealish is now demanding a place in the team as well, what does that mean for Rashford, who was the captain in England's last game before they play in the tournament, and Raheem Sterling? So it's uh, that is that's quite a conundrum there. I mean, Mason Mount has been an absolute mainstay in Gareth Southgate's England team. I think of the of the seventeen games which he's been available for, I'm pretty sure he's featured in sixteen of them. Um, now. I wonder whether actually a 3-4-3 really doesn't lend itself to him, even though he's such a, a you know, mainstay in, in that Southgate team. I don't think he's played particularly well um, as one of a, a midfield duo when he's been che- tried there for Chelsea this season. And out wide, we know about England's wealth of options. How do you think that Mason Mount would, be, would, would fit into an England 3-4-3 if indeed that's what Southgate picked as the formation against Croatia? 3-4-3, hmm. he would... You would well. He, I mean, he could be one of the two. He could be one of the two. Yeah. But I think three, four, three. He would almost certainly have to be one of the front three. Would he be? Um, much as we see, yeah. Well, I think he would. Yeah, I do. Mm. Uh, uh, much as we see him when he plays for Chelsea, either either as that sort of right-sided forward player or sometimes the left-sided forward player. Uh, I think with England, it would be more likely to be the right-sided forward player. But. Um, you know, I think what plays into Mount's hands there is the fact that he plays in that system, three four three, with Chelsea, and you know they've just won the Champions League. I mean, Sam Johnson, of course, made his England debut yesterday. What did you make of him? Because I, I was very impressed, and I thought while England probably didn't deserve a clean sheet, I thought he certainly did. It was that one of saved. my winners as well, Dom. I must say yeah, that save at winner. the end, big winner. Um, you know, what more can you do? Than, I thought it fell really well for Sam Johnston in that the saves he had to make in the first half were, were routine saves. So he was able to ease his way in and then made as good a save as you'll, as you'll see yeah. in the second half from Ivan. That, that was outstanding. Uh, that was, it was 1-0 at the time, obviously. That was before the second penalty. Um, so, so, yeah, big, a, a big winner on the day. I mean, clearly it's going to be Jordan Pickford. Um, who, who will will play? Yeah. But um, you know that that's a classic opportunity knocks for an England player, isn't it? Nick Nick Pope had it not been for the injury, mm. Sam Johnson wouldn't be in the squad. Now he's got an England cap, and um, you know if anything were to to happen to um, to Nick Pope, then it's a close. I mean, I would imagine it would be Henderson. Uh, for all of the football that he's played with Manchester United this season, um, played European football, obviously, first choice in the Premier League. But 
you know, Sam Johnston has has given the manager something to think about, as they say. Can I put um, Phil Foden as a winner, even though he didn't even play yesterday? Because um, I think Jaden Sancho frustrated me yesterday. Because seeing how he played for Dortmund and he glides past players with ease and he just made it look... I know he hit the bar with that shot, but he just made it so difficult yesterday. And whether he was trying too hard or not, yesterday was his opportunity to put his hand up. But I think it's kind of almost cemented Phil Foden's spot on that right-hand side, Sancho's performance yesterday. Well, I think, as I say, I think Foden was in anyway, Luke. I think mm. that uh, whether... The, the great thing about it is, you know, we, we don't know from an England point of view how, how, how they're going to fit in what the system is. You know, and you can look at this from two ways. You, you know, I, I hear and see people suggesting that, well, the system's not nailed down. The system should be nailed down by the time you get to, to the first match. We don't know who's going to play here, there, where. But, you know, we, we said similar things ahead of Manchester City and Chelsea in the Champions League final. And the point is that the other manager, you know, the, the, the manager of Croatia, will not be certain by any means what, what system and which personnel are going to be playing against him at the weekend. So there are pros and cons. Mm. I mean, that's Mings and Sancho down as potential losers. I thought Sancho wasn't, you know, you know, the, the shot against the bar was was a lovely piece of skill. But um, in general, I think most of the things that he that he tried didn't necessarily come off for him last night. It looked a little bit um, lacking sharpness. But I thought the other loser was actually someone who was one of England's best performers, which is James mm. Ward-Prowse. And I just think that he's a loser because he's not become that 26th man and because Ben Ben White did. I mean, I was very impressed by Ward-Prowse. Um, I don't know what you think about that, John. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, you, you know, he stepped up to the challenge yesterday, didn't he? You know, which Gareth Southgate had clearly laid down for them at the start of the week, those players who weren't in the 26. You know, sh sh persuade me. If anything happens, persuade mm. me that, that you should be the, the, the first port of call. And, and, of course, this week, anything could still happen this week. You know, they can replace the players right up until the, uh, the game against Croatia. And and were they to lose one of the players, uh, you know, one of the one of the midfielders or forward players, I I think that's still a close call between Lingard and Ward Prowse. Maybe Ward Prowse's delivery and and mm. what he did yesterday would tip the balance. You'd be gutted if you were Ward Prowse, weren't you? That he wasn't one of the ones. Like say he was, he was the second best player behind Grealish, wasn't he? I mean, if Grealish hadn't won one in a match, I think Ward Prowse would have. And mm. uh, I was pretty certain that he may well get in and just. I know, I know. Obviously, defensively, the light, which is why he's gone for white. But I thought, like you say, with the deliveries of the set pieces, it, that could have made the actual difference. Especially at the end, when you need maybe you need a goal and you need that delivery right into the box, he's going to give it you, isn't he? It's the Maguire injury that has camped against Ward Prowse mm. because, uh, and mm. you know, Maguire seemingly is running again now. But I mean, that's a long, that's quite a long way off actually playing a, a game. Uh, with with an ankle having had an ankle ligament problem, so I think he just can't. I think that, that, that that's it. That's the decision. You know, that there, there has to be another central defender in there. I thought that the balance of last night's game was strange, in that the first half was, you know, England weren't taking that many risks, and and in in general, the the football was 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 played largely in, in the in the back sort of third of the pitch. It was just sort of being passed around the back, which is frustrating for supporters, but. You know, it, it's inevitable when there are 
so few runners off the ball. You didn't have Lingard on from the start, who's off the ball movement is, is very impressive. Mount, of course, wasn't involved because he was, uh, you know, a Champions League finalist. So, yeah, but the second half, you know, within two minutes, um, Calvert-Lewin had had that early chance. And I thought in general, England were much faster, much more, more risk-taking in the second half. And for that reason, created way more opportunities. But again, how many conclusions can we properly draw from that game? Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, England have kept two clean sheets in those matches, yet it worried me the number of opportunities that both Austria and Romania were able to create against England. However, you know, the defence the defense will, be, will be completely different when it comes to the match. England have conceded one goal in their last six matches, yet... Mm there remains a, that's the that's the area that's the chief area of concern is how secure england are going to be defensively when it comes to the tournament i think as well calvert lewin he's could he be put down as a loser he's a couple of really good chances didn't he um if harry kane goes down injured tomorrow would you want him as your main striker i think he would be though wouldn't he um, yeah i mean he did he did everything but score yesterday so, he's, he's very athletic, isn't he? I mean, the leap on him yeah. when he's going His up for a header is good, isn't it? It's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. he's. Um, I think was it against Austria? He like literally climbed above someone, and it was almost like he was above two men. The way he, was, he landed <laughs> feet first on his shoulders, didn't he? In the end, and yeah, that's how that's how high he jumped. Yeah. Listen, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt there, is there? That if, if if there's any problem with Harry Kane, it will be it will be Calvert Lewin. Mm, absolutely. I mean, the other talking point, of course, is that there was again booing when England players took the knee before the um, before the match, which is, you know, really disheartening. And um, as Gareth Southgate was saying, you know, earlier this week, you know, put put yourself in the shoes of my England players, you know, um, th that's a really tough situation to begin a football match in front of supporters with, isn't it? That's uh, that's it's very disheartening. Yeah, and we you know clearly we're going to see this continue at the Euros, aren't we? I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, I've, as I said on on air, I, I was genuinely taken aback by it, particularly ahead of the Austria game. Um, by and I think many people in the stadium were, incidentally, as well. Which is, I think, why for the Austria game there was the react that it was as it was in that you had the loud booing, mm. and I think people were, I think a lot of people who wouldn't take that view, you know, were generally sort of stunned for a moment or two yeah. hence hence the reason that there was the lengthy booing followed then by the applause yeah against Romania for the head of the Romania match because of everything that had been said the pre-publicity what Gareth Southgate had said I think those who don't those who take the other view to those who boo were ready for it hence the fact that right from the outset as soon as the booing began the applause began it's surprised me what a uh, how, how divisive this this issue is of taking the knee. I have to confess, maybe I'm naive. I don't know. Um, you know, I was aware of the the perceived political angle to this, the political agenda of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. But it's it's surprised. It has surprised me the strength of feeling that there is for those who do feel it's it's political. Um, and it's it's not going to go away because clearly those people those people are not to be swayed, even though the England manager has said this is not helpful, this is not what we want, this is not helping the team, 
and there's no political agenda as far as the team are concerned, that they are purely making a stand for racial equality. You know, people are not people are not having that. Mm. I mean, John, if we can just return to um, oh, I think Luke's got a question. Go ahead, Luke. Oh, well, I was just going to say, John. I mean. I did notice it as well at Premier League games in the last game of the season. It's not just an England fans thing. There was there was plenty around the Premier League ground as well, which appears to have been glossed over a little bit. I heard it loads on the last day of the season. No one said anything, but now it just seems to have been highlighted again, which I think's harsh is probably the wrong word, but it just seems to have been brushed under the carpet because it was at a Premier League game. But now it's at an England game. It seems to be a big issue, but it always seems to have been an issue anyway. Well... When when crowds first came back in that period in the in the middle of the, the last this season just finished, um, I, I was at West Ham. I think it was the first match back that I was at with supporters, and um, I remember when the players took an A before the start of that match in the in the big wide open London stadium. I was sitting there thinking, are there are there boos? Am I hearing boos? I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Uh, then. When, as you say, Luke, when when crowds came back again at the end of the season, you could hear it, and you know I, I, I remarked upon it. Champions League final in Porto, you know, I was there, and you 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 heard it. You heard it in the mm. Champions League final. It was drowned out by applause. But at Middlesbrough on Wednesday night, that was with there was no question there. You know that was the loudest I've heard it. So the, mm. this is something that has that has grown, mm. um, and um, as I say, those who those who are doing it clearly feel very strongly about it. Um, and I know that those on the other side of the argument will will sit there and think, how can they boo and think that 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 is not being perceived mm. as racist in itself? Mm, yeah. So you know there are two very clear sides to this to this argument. Another reflection in the time in which we live is that we've got six days until the European Championship start for England. I mean, I'm not going to ask you what you think that the starting lineup will be, John, because I think it's almost it does it does matter, of course, and and it's a big point of contention, but it's almost incidental compared to how far England will get. So what you know, it's it's hard to you know have your own mystic ball, but how do you think England's group stage? will go and how far do you think they can or will go? What are the points of, of, of contention in terms of the strengths and the weaknesses of this side? Well, first of all, in terms of what the team will be, um, as when, when I spoke to Gareth Southgate, he, he immediately said, yeah, I know 10 of the 11. Mm, right. um, if we're talking about definite, definite starters, definite starters, I'm, I've got Pickford, mm. I've, got, I've got either or Walker Trippier, you know, not absolutely certain it will be one or the other. I think. I think Stones, Stones, definite starter. Mm -hmm. Probably sure, but I've also got Short, Stroke, Chilwell. Okay. Probably sure. I'm thinking Rice, definite starter. The other midfielder, uh, if it's if it's two, the other midfielder, not not certain. Mount, Foden, Kane, definite starters. And then you've got the other one, Rash well, Grealish, Rashford, Sterling. So, so I make that one, two, three, four, five, six definite, definite starters in 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 my eyes. And of how they'll do, it's you know, with the squad England have got, 
you know, like when we look at the, the other squads and see how strong some of them are, mm. um, you know, when we think about England, I don't know about you two, when, when we look at England, we probably look at it differently than how we do when we look at, you know, you look at the Belgian squad, you look at the German squad, or you look at the Italian squad or the, or the, uh, or the uh, Portuguese squad, and you, you look at them and you think, well, they, they'll, you know, they'll get through. They'll definitely get through. You look at the England squad, and even though the, the quality is there all the way through it now, you know, high quality in most positions, but you then look at the opposition and you're still... There are still question marks about, you know, how good are Croatia going to be this yeah. time around? Scotland are uh, have become a very difficult team to beat under Steve Clark. Mm-hmm. I think it's, they've lost two of the last 16 now approaching mm-hmm. the tournament. And Czech Republic, I've been worrying about the Czech Republic all season. Whenever I see West Ham, and every time I see West Ham, so Czech and so foul, mm-hmm. have been outstanding. Slavia Prague came and did what they did against the British clubs in the... Uh, in the Europa League this season, uh, and and the team relies heavily on them. We saw Stanchu yesterday, who uh, you know plays for that Slavia Prague team. You know, very decent player. Um, so they should they should progress. They they should progress. I mean, it's 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 difficult to see. And you would think that even if things don't go well, you would think that England would would be one of the third place teams at the at the very least. Yeah. Surely, anything less than that, then it it's not gone well at all. But I, you know, gonna... I think it I think it is fair to say that playing in front of a home crowd at Wembley is going is going to be a significant factor. It should be. Gareth Southgate keeps saying just because we're going to be playing at Wembley in front of a crowd does not mean to say that we'll win. But mm-hmm. I think those teams at this tournament who are playing in front of home crowds have have got a big. Uh, you know, significant card in yeah. their favour. I was, I was going to say, John, is this, there was that plan set out years and years and years ago, wasn't it? And it's like they're targeting the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. So is this, is this a big tournament for Gareth Southgate or is it if they get to the quarterfinals, you go, well, not quite where they wanted to be, but we've got Qatar, that's the big one. Or does he have to reach... Uh, at least reach the semi-finals, possibly the final, to maybe be cut some slack. As ever, depends how it goes. Depends what happens in the matches. If they if they play glorious football, don't get the rub of the green. If injuries come into play, if they then end up playing a, a really good team in the in the last sixteen or the quarterfinals, which is obviously possible, depending on how the you know with, with the draws it is, uh, play a great game toe-to-toe with a, with a top team that goes on then to do well in the tournament, then, you know, they, they will probably be cut a bit of slack. If it goes the other way, then the opposite applies. John, thanks very much for speaking to us today. Let's hope that England enjoy the Euros, and I'm sure that you will as well. I very much hope so. We're going to, despite, despite everything, you know, I think we're going we're gonna to make the best of it, aren't we? Let's hope. Thank you. <laughs> After England's win over Romania, I spoke to the debutant, Sam Johnston, whose wonderful saves, especially in the second half, earned England a clean sheet. Just describe your emotion of uh, making your debut tonight and, of course, making some great saves to, to uh, earn yourself a clean sheet. Yeah, so happy. Um, really proud. And, you know, you, you do get quite emotional, you know, when the national anthem's playing and, and everyone's singing it, um, you know, and... It's just a proud moment for for myself, for my family, um, everyone that's 
been with me on on this journey from being 10 years old um you know so yeah just so happy to to make my debut make a few saves and keep a clean sheet and uh, of course um at the other end of the pitch you know it's really important for England to go into the tournament with two wins but um is there maybe a feeling that you know your teammates could have taken a few more of their chances and gone in with a real bang tonight yeah look it's tough they 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 set off us a little bit we we um we did find it a little bit difficult to break down at times. Um, then other times we got through, um, you know, and their keepers pulled off um, loads of great saves and they defended well. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is is getting the win. OK, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined now by Lucas Ball from London Football Scene. Lucas, thanks for joining us. Yeah, delighted to be on and uh, thank you for having me. I mean, did you watch the England game last night? And, and if you did, did you maybe regret that? It was a bit of a... Um tiring watch wasn't it at moments yeah I mean you were you were there weren't you so yeah I uh, yeah I mean I, I had it on the tv and uh, and soon regretted the decision but I think you often find that with these warm-up games um hmm. they're just they're there because they, they have to be no one really wants to play them all the players don't want to go into them playing too hard yeah. because they don't want to get an injury before the tournament so you've got you've always got that balance, and then you've you know quite often, certainly in England's case anyway, you've got players coming back from injuries trying to prove their fitness before a tournament. Because why would we ever pick a squad where we don't have any major injury doubts over players in key positions? I mean, to me, that would make sense to pick a squad where everyone's fully fit going into it. But hey, I'm not the manager, and I'll, I'll leave those decisions to uh, to Gareth Southgate. <laughs> So you certainly wouldn't have picked Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson um, if you were the manager. I, I think they've got to have had some football coming into the tournament, haven't they? And you know, you you think for for most players, it's going to take them three or four games to get up to speed. I'd certainly say with that that for the likes of Henderson, you know, playing in that energetic midfield role, a box to box player likes to press high up the pitch. With all that energy, he's he can't just suddenly come in having not played football for three months. And then be expected to do that role because he's going to end up causing himself another injury. Um, yeah, I mean, arguably he did his job pretty well yesterday. When he came on, he was pretty energetic, and I thought England improved in the second half when he was introduced. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. We we did improve. I just just feel like to ask him to do that game after game, mm. just as he's first coming back with these next couple of games, obviously now being competitive games. There's that completely different edge to it. Whereas yesterday, yeah, he did he did do well. I'll, I'll give him that. And I think you know, other than the the penalty, which I'm sure he'll want to forget about and and quickly yeah. move on from. Um, he he did he did quite good and and did his job. But yeah, just um, you need that run of form and run of games certainly coming into the tournament. I think and Maguire. I mean, it, the the issue with the Maguire selection just has been proven this week with. You know, to me, out of the warm-up games, the the clear winner almost was James Ward-Prowse. I thought he was excellent when he played. Set-piece delivery is top class, but also showed his all-round game. He's not just this set-piece merchant, as some people like to like to box him up as. He's a very good midfielder. He can win the ball back. He's got a good eye for a passing open play as well as um, just at mm. set-pieces. And I think, yeah, there's. A, I thought he was for me, the uh, the best pick. But obviously, Maguire not being fully fit has meant that they've had to go for another centre-back, especially with Mings. I mean, his two performances have been 
concerning to say the least in the warm-up games. Certainly. I mean, who else stood out to you yesterday? We've, we've, we've talked before, um, you know, the, the media and fans a lot about Jack Grealish in, in the last few weeks and months. And, and he, again, was, was named man of the match, I'd say deservedly. I don't know what you think about that. Do you think, was Grealish one of England's best performers in your eyes? Yeah, yeah, definitely for me. Um, I think he was probably our best player again. And just every time he gets the ball, you, you think something might happen. And yeah. I don't think England have had that player who every time you, they get the ball, you're almost expecting something special or you know something special could happen mm. since maybe Gascoigne in, in Euro 96, which, you know, Grealish is some player and the argument will will always stand while he stays at Villa of, oh, but he plays for a smaller club, which Villa aren't a small club, but by today's standards, they're outside the top six. So therefore, to the modern fan, they are. But um, yeah, Grealish has been been top class in the games every game I've watched him this season he's impressed me and certainly in the two warm-up games for uh for England he's been been very good and and yesterday deservedly man in a match I think it was him who won the penalty as well but he was involved in another appeal definitely mm, yeah he did win the penalty um uh, of course the, the, the Premier League's most fouled player over the last two seasons and this season of course he missed the last three months which is uh yeah, just makes that statistic more incredible, really. I mean, um, in terms of England's over, overall performance and, and the two games, obviously the Austria game and the Romania game, is it hard to to read into those matches too much, considering the fact that Southgate maybe had his hands tied with the players he could he could play due to the European finals? Is, is it hard to, to say, oh, I, I'm really confident going into the Euros after these two wins, or I'm not very confident after these two wins because we didn't play well? Is, is it hard to make those conclusions given who who had to feature yeah uh it's, it's certainly hard to go too deep into that I think definitely some people would still be a little bit concerned at the performance levels and you know we're, obviously yeah you are missing a number of key players and and obviously it limits the options that you can rotate in that but I think some people will still rightly be a little bit concerned about the two performances um mm. I think certainly from a defensive perspective, because as much as some of the individuals in that defence were poor, um, and I feel like I am singling out Mings a little bit, but I did think he was caught out a few times again yesterday. Agreed, Obviously, yeah. VAR um, on, was it Thursday night or Friday night for the first game as well? Then yeah. he's probably sent off and gives away a penalty. So he's got those <laughs> moments of, of stupidity in him, unfortunately. Yeah, he does. And big errors. Um which is is concerning, but but equally there there was that defensive cohesion which I didn't think was quite there for much of the two games. Certainly yesterday, I mean Sam Johnson made a couple of really good saves. Uh, one really impressive, I think, from a rebound. Yeah, that was an incredible stop, wasn't it? That yeah, one. He got up really quickly to get back to that. And I, yeah, I mean for me, Johnston would be my would be my first choice heading into the tournament. But I don't think he's going to dislodge Pickford, but. Yeah, it's just that defensive cohesion that's not quite there, which that's more from a, a tactical standpoint than individual performances. And obviously, again, you're limited in terms of a, a little bit with the players because different players haven't played together as often as they'd have liked. Mm. With the European finals, obviously ruling those players out. But it's just from a tactical standpoint, there are some some concerns there for me. And I think defensive cohesion is one of them. Um, I think our midfield at times looks a little imbalanced and... And those are issues that have been prevalent in this England team for a while now, I feel. as You know, and again, it obviously, 
we smashed the qualifying campaign, but if England didn't win that group comfortably, you'd be quite worried and you can't read too much into those games either because of the quality of opposition you're up against. So I just feel there's a few concerns there with Southgate that these issues have been there for a while and things don't necessarily seem to be improving with some of them. And partly that must be his tactics. Partly that will be him and his coaching staff not getting their messages across to the players in terms of what they want them to do. And also, partly, it'll be a selection issue because if you've got those issues, then as much as, yeah, you might think this player's a little bit better, but if player Y then fits your system a lot better and is still near or is close to the level of of the first player, well, then you've got to go for player Y, surely, and and the player who gives you that that option within the system you're going to play unless you're going to change your system for, Mm -hmm. for someone else coming in. So who's an example then for you of a, of a player who's maybe inferior to who's who's playing at the moment, but actually fits England's system better and, and you think ought to get maybe more game time? Johnston, I assume I, you, you've just said, of course. Yeah, I think there's, there's there's a few and, you know, you look at maybe, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to go back to a back five um, for the first game with Maguire out, definitely. And you look there, yeah, OK, Luke Shaw's. Had a very good season. I think Luke Shaw say is, is the better left back. I'm not saying Chilwell's had a lack of game time under Southgate necessarily, but maybe Shaw is probably or Shaw is probably the first choice heading into this tournament. But then if you're going to play a back five for me, Chilwell comes back into that equation. And, do you not? Do you not think that he would play Chilwell in a back five? Because I think he would. I'm not sure. Um, I like he, what you did there. Not yeah. sure. Nice. I'll, I'll be honest on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an. In, I mean, he's got he's got different options for selection all over the pitch, and you know, you've got the same argument maybe at right wing back, where again he could go for Trippier, which is probably the best option in a, in a back five. But would he have played Trent there? Had Trent not got injured, say, mm. whereas and Trent's not really. I know he plays a, an advanced role for Liverpool, obviously, but playing right wing back and right wing and right back in a four are very different positions. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm trying to think of a better example because, yeah, you you make the point correctly that he might end up starting Chilwell in a five and that just completely uh, completely well, avoids my argument, really. But. No, well, we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know until it happens. And, and I, you know, I've been covering England for a number of years and, I, and I've certainly found in the Southgate era, it's been very difficult to predict his lineups. You know, um, it, it, you know, you, st- you, have your, you have your evidence, you, you, the history... Um, under him and you start to build up a re- an idea of, of who he likes, who he's going to play based on injuries, based on game time. But yeah, I'm yet to predict a Southgate lineup, <laughs> 11 out of 11 correct. So um, yeah, maybe it's not really worth it. <laughs> yeah, so sure. yeah. I mean, no, I think it... I... go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, just one example I was thinking of there a little bit, it's, and it only came to selecting the the squad um, overall, not, not maybe an 11, but you know, you look at, say, say Danny Ings, um, unlucky to miss out on the squad, I feel, a little bit. But then the way England want to play under Southgate, you know, they want to counter at pace at times. It doesn't necessarily give you the option to do that if you play Ings up front. Ings is a smart player. He's got good link-up play. He's a great finisher. But mm. Ollie Watkins fits that counter-attacking style better, so Watkins makes the squad. Similar with Bamford. Is Bamford probably a better technical player than than Watkins. I think most would probably argue he is, but because Watkins has got that pace to drive at defences and 
and open teams up on the counter attack, he gets the nod over Bamford and Ings and and you know Southgate I think did make the right call there. Obviously, what Kinzel probably consider himself unlucky to miss out on the twenty six in the end, but you know seven players did have to miss out and and they're unfortunately the tough calls that have to be made. England will go into the European Championships and play, you know, three games if it goes really badly and seven if it goes really, really well. And um, I think most people, England fans will want to see England win. I think most of them would assume that there's that somewhere along the way they might possibly go out and won't win. What do you think will will be the kind of things which cause England to uh, problems? If indeed, you know, let's touch wood, let's hope it, they go all the way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they will. What 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 are the kind of things which which could cause England to come unstuck? Do you think? Uh, I just think, yeah, the the issues in in midfield. Maybe if they let let teams get on top of them in midfield, you know, if you let the likes of France uh, start dominating mm. that midfield battle, then all of a sudden you've got. Kante Pogba coming at you, which isn't really a, a promising situation for for too many midfields and defenses, and 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 just that defensive cohesion again. I think obviously Maguire, if he's back by the latter stages, adds to that. But it's how long is he going to take to get up to speed? Given apparently he's only just started, you know, running again this week for in training. So there's there's those concerns and and. Certainly, with that defensive cohesion, it's how well are they going to be able to keep out the likes of France, Germany, and and those attacks which are filled with with stars. But I also think a little bit it, uh, it could come down to how well the front three mould because you look at the front three, and and yes, England's best front three is is probably just on paper is probably Kane, Foden, and Grealish. Yeah, but that front three with the way Harry Kane plays probably isn't going to work too well. No. Unless you're going to tell Kane, right, don't play that natural game where you like to drop deep, come deep and be a playmaker. Just stay between the posts and, and stay in the 18-yard box and we'll try and play passes into you, play off of you there, rather than dropping deep. Because if you're going to, if he's going to drop deep like that, you're going to need Sancho or a Rashford or a Sterling to be making those runs in behind and probably yeah. more Sterling and Sancho because Rashford quite likes the ball to feet as well. So it's it's going to be the interesting selections with with things like that. I certainly think, well, against the smaller teams and, and in the group stages, probably Kane, Foden, Grealish as a front three would still work because England will expect to dominate, certainly against Scotland and the Czech Republic. Um, not so, Not quite so much against Croatia because Croatia's midfield is... Is obviously top tier with you know the likes of Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic coming in there, so they won't expect to dominate that game quite so much. But against Scotland and Czech Republic, if they can dominate Grealish and Foden, it's probably a good a good front three either side of Kane. But then if you're looking maybe against say Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, where you're going to be looking to counter attack more, you're going to need a Sterling or a Sancho in there to offer you that threat when Kane drops yeah. deep. And probably someone to be making on those runs from midfield, which Henderson will make runs, but his attacking play is not his strongest suit. Um, no. Rice is obviously going to be the holding midfielder. Phillips would be a holding midfielder if he's in the team. Bellingham looks good and has made some promising runs in these warm-up games. Yet to see how well he does against some of the... I know he was impressive against the likes of City and the Champions League for Dortmund. But 
playing the top teams on the international stage is a is a different uh, ball game altogether and how well he copes with that pressure, particularly if the games are at Wembley, say, or, you know, in front of his own fans, then yes. that's, that's going to be a different uh, a different atmosphere for him and, and how well he copes with that will remain to be seen. So obviously then you're, you may be relying on, on Mason Mount making those runs from deep, but mm-hmm. not, not everyone is that keen on Mount in that deeper role. So, Southgate's got some got some issues, and I, I say issues. They're they're probably good problems to have in terms of, you know, the, some of the players he's got at his disposal. Mm-hmm. You know that those attackers would be the envy of a lot of countries. And if you you're sitting there thinking, oh, I can't pick Phil Foden, but oh, actually, no, I can have Jaden Sancho. That's not too bad a position to be in. <laughs> yeah, quite. So England get their Euros trip started at Wembley of course against Croatia on Sunday just finally then how, how do you see that match going and uh, how do you think England will do in the tournament overall that that match I think England are going to have to work hard and it will be a good test for them first game up I don't think you know they they could maybe have been accused of coming into previous tournaments with a little bit of complacency not necessarily under Southgate I think in 2018 they were very well prepared and and did their jobs well but you know tournaments before that maybe and and um so but they've not been given that option with such a good opponent in the first game and they're going to have to be at it from from minute 1 because Croatia have got some very good players yeah you know Perisic isolates the full back he can cause problems out there Mandzukic, he's a brilliant player isn't he Perisic is is one of those underrated wingers completely yeah a little bit old fashioned He'll enjoy a battle against someone like Walker or James, yeah. whoever it happens to be. And and yeah, if, if you let him cross, uh, eventually he's going to find Mandzukic and England's defence without Harry Maguire. I'm not too sure how I'm, how keen I am on on that prospect of Mandzukic heading or hmm. trying to get on the end of Perisic's crosses. So, and then you've just got the likes of Modric in midfield, as we've mentioned, who are class players. And if if they get on top in that midfield battle, could cause England. A lot of problems, so they're going to have to be at it that game. Um, I'd still expect England to nick it, but then if they do, it might not end up being the best thing for them because if they finish top of this group, they're going to have to play second in the yeah, of in course, the group of death, which looks like it's going to be one of Germany, Portugal, and France who finish second. You would assume so yep. playing those in the last sixteen isn't going to be a a particularly easy contest, and and could end England's hopes relatively early as to what a lot of people are hoping for in this yeah. tournament. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Uh, I think if they get one of those teams, I think I'd probably fancy us against Germany, just about. Against France and Portugal, I'm really not sure. France, I think, are the favourites for the tournament and have to be. Mm. I think you know, a, lot of, a lot of the French bench and reserves would probably start for most other national teams and quite right probably a good few French players not even in the squad that would start for a lot of the other top nations their their depth and wealth of talent is it's just unbelievable um and Portugal a team with you know Ronaldo Jota and, and players like that in attack can can never be counted out because they're only going to need one or two chances to mm. put a game to bed and and suddenly you're you're behind so not sure how I fancy us against those guys. Southgate would have to get it spot on in those games, and um, and the team would have to perform very well overall. But yeah. I think overall, England have got to be looking. The the aim has got to be semi-finals at least. Yeah, agreed. Hope that buoyed on by the crowd, 
and you know home semi-final if mm. they were to get there that that could be a final place and and then who knows from there once you're in the final anything can happen so they've, they've just got a as you know it's not quite as long as they give their all everyone will be happy because that's, that's not the way of the world but they've just got to give it everything try and, and make sure that the country's proud of the team first and foremost which I think many will given the way that they speak or the way that this team are with a lot of social issues as well as their performances on the pitch in the last major tournament at least and hopefully they follow that up with this one but you know if it's a, if it's an exit earlier than that I think you know with the, with the pressure of, of this being a very good crop of players and and there also being some very good players left out, then unfortunately, or well, that depends on your perspective. But you know, someone like Gareth Southgate might find himself under pressure in term, and that'd obviously have to be a, a quick turnaround. Given you're looking at another major tournament in yeah. just under eighteen months, with the World Cup being uh, well, obviously with the Euros having been having been rescheduled to this summer, so. Yeah. It raises a lot of questions if England don't make it where they want to be, but hopefully they do, obviously. And um, and yeah, I'd say semi-finals has got to be the aim and hopefully they can go that, that little bit further and, and get us that first European Championship. But that's going to be a big, big ask with some of the teams in this tournament. Mm. Well, home advantage has got to count for something. Let's hope that England and Gareth Southgate get it spot on. Lucas Ball from London Football Scene. Thanks very much. It was a great to chat to you today. Cheers. Andrew, cheers for having me. That was Lucas Ball, and that is the end of this episode of England Unmasked. And, and we'll be back after the Croatia game to review what has happened and where England need to be going forward. Okay, so it's goodbye from me, Dom Smith. And it's goodbye from me, Luke Edwards. 